Welcome to The Sidebar by NYABJ, a podcast about the world of media through the lens of Black media makers. I'm your host, Carolyn Adams. In this episode, we're joined by one of the enterprising minds behind Capital B for a conversation about Black-led news organizations, engagement journalism, and the ongoing battle against misinformation. Plus, her lessons learned while building and funding a nonprofit newsroom from home. Akoto Aforiata is the chief audience officer and one of the co-founders of Capital B, a local and national news organization reporting for Black communities in Atlanta, Georgia, and across the country. Prior to Capital B, she was the managing editor at The Trace, where she was responsible for the award-winning newsroom's partnerships, special projects, and editorial operations. She's also been a senior editor at Essence Magazine, associate editor at The Root, and a John S. Knight Journalism Fellow. Here's our conversation. I know you have a lot of fans here in New York. I'm hearing about you constantly, so I was very excited to talk to you guys. Thank you for having me. So let's jump right in. You and your co-founder, Lauren Williams, launched Capital B at the start of this year. You've both spoken about how this venture really builds on the legacy and the traditions of the Black press in this country, from the first Black newspaper in America in 1827 to the New York Amsterdam News, and just so many others. But can you tell us a little bit more about Capital B's mission and speak to its connection to that of the Black press historically? Sure. So yeah, you know, Capital B was born out of a moment of a lot of turmoil, confusion, distress. In June 2020, there was all the things happening. I don't need to like rehash all that for everyone, but COVID, the protest about George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor's killing and the reckoning that our own reckoning and quotes that our industry was having. And Lauren and I just thought we had been friends for over a decade at that point. And we thought now is really the time to think about how we can bring to bear our our desires for the future that we want to see in journalism and our experience for how to run and manage and support and build successful news organizations and how to do that on behalf of Black people. You know, that's when we decided that we would launch Capital B and then we ended up officially launching in January 31st. But as we were building it, we really looked a lot at the state of Black media and looked at the history of Black media and really how that history is so instructive mm-hmm. for anyone who's trying to do journalism today. And not quite frankly, not just Black Americans, but really the idea that your work is rooted and grounded in community and in the information needs of the people you're serving is really what the Black press is primarily all about, right? Like mm-hmm. not just sharing information, but also exchanging information with the people you're sharing with and then letting that feed your journalism. And we thought... Now more than ever, we need to build on that legacy. Now more than ever, there need to be more Black news organizations. I think that if we have 10 capital Bs or 10 Amsterdam Newses, it probably still wouldn't be enough. We need more. And we wanted to do our part to make sure that we could really add to the ecosystem in a way that the times really demand. Absolutely. And I mean, we're all familiar with the data about the decline of local newsrooms and newsroom jobs, but recent data is showing that a lot of the digital native and nonprofit newsrooms are growing. For others that are considering starting a news venture in the way that you have, can you tell us a little about your experience building something like Capital B during a pandemic nonetheless? 
Sure. I mean, you know, I feel like Lauren and I unlock the cheat code because it does help to have to do this with a friend, someone who you trust endlessly, (laughs) someone whose talents and skills and experience complement your own. And Lauren having built a massive and quite influential news organization in Vox. Mm -hmm. Me having spent the last five years in nonprofit news and understanding sort of the inner workings of how to have impact in that space. Us coming together with a real friendship that was quite frankly rooted in journalism we met at The Root 10 years ago. Um, You know, I think helped us us quite a bit. I mean, having like a built-in co-founder who just like, you know, Lauren says this all the time that like building something is scary. Um, We had a lot of doubts about what we could and couldn't do. But one thing that we really trusted was that, you know, we would do it together. So that's one thing. If you're lucky enough to have a friend or someone who you really trust, I mean, someone who brings the the journalistic heft, but also a different sort of skill set, I'd recommend Mm -hmm. starting there. You know, Lauren and I spent a lot of time looking at the ecosystem, as I said, right? And like really trying to identify the holes and what we thought was really needed. And that really all plays into having a strong sense of mission, right? And making sure that like, you're bringing a real value to people. And what we found was that, you know, Black readers on the national side really craved perspectives they're just not getting in mainstream news, right? We talked to a lot of self-proclaimed news junkies who would say things like, yeah, I read the mainstream newspapers, all of them. And, you know, quite often while they're informative and I know that they're vetted, I always just wonder if there's a perspective that's missing because I know the reporters are white. I know the editors are white. We also know that mainstream media has missed the mark on just stories about race and stories about like Black life in general. And so we thought Capital B could be a corrective to that and give Black audiences on a national scale you know, deeper, more nuanced looks into the things that they were most concerned with. And on the local side, you know, local news is dying all over. It's not just Black communities who are experiencing this, but we do know that if there is something that is happening across the country, that quite often the impact of that is felt harder in Black communities. And that is really where we found the opportunity to build on the spirit of the Black press and decide that we were going to have a real reader-focused community engagement newsrooms on the local side, where their primary job is just talk to Black residents, try to understand what are your curiosities about what's happening in your city or your neighborhood? What do you want to know? What don't you know that you wish you did? And then use all that to help sort of form our editorial priorities, our strategies, and our vision for what we could do in our local newsrooms. And I would say that identifying what we thought was missing in the Black ecosystems or what there wasn't enough of was really key to like being able to build this news organization because we were able to identify a real need. And I would really encourage people to consider just really knowing what your value add is and being able to articulate that really, really well. Yeah. There was a line on your about page that really spoke to me, at least. It was the quote, we aim to be an antidote to the misinformation, disinformation, and low quality, low context news that clouds our information pipelines. And in thinking about this diffusion of misinformation through social media, like writ large, the stakes for our communities and our democracy even are pretty high wouldn't you say? Um, Can you speak to that threat and how Capital B can serve as an antidote at this time? Yeah, I mean, I feel the weight of your question. I mean, if you spend any time online, then you know that like, one, there's just a ton of information and our attention Mm -hmm. is being drawn in a whole bunch of places. But two, there's a real issue with accurate news information and vetting. There's such a mix of things that are responsible for really the low quality information moment that we find ourselves in right now, particularly around political misinformation. 
Black audiences were targeted. If you lived in a swing state in 2020, then you were likely served misinformation, disinformation by some really bad actors, international bad actors who wanted to have some sway over the results of the elections in your state. Um, we know that that is true. We know that that's happened. We know that, that is a threat that we continue to face. And so, you know, Capital B is just a newsroom full of close to 20 people. We are not going to really fully solve that problem, but we are playing the long game. And we do think that over time, if you are directly engaging with Black residents in these communities and the editors and staff that belong to these communities are also talking to people in those communities and using that information to just fuel our reporting, mm-hmm. giving it back to them. We sort of know that this is the thing that you wanted because we listened to you and we're, we're giving it back. And then maybe over time, that means you, because we're feeling a need for you that you begin to trust credible mm-hmm. media and not just capital B, just sort of have mm-hmm. a better understanding about like what credible, reliable media is. Over time, you become less susceptible to bad information. And then we repair, you know, some of these broken bonds between journalism and Black communities. So that's the long game. It's not at all something that like we think we can solve on our own. Yeah. I do think it's encouraging that there are a lot of local newsrooms that many of whom capital B is taking cues from that are really focused on the on-the-ground community engagement work, because I really think that's like our best shot at trying to reverse some of this. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a woman who runs a DEI consulting firm, and it's a similar thing of like, the work is never really done, and you need so many people really on board working towards this goal and towards this mission. And so... I see how things are aligning. Yeah. And it's encouraging, you know, and for anyone who is really worried about what's happening in journalism, I really do encourage you to listen to some of the people who are pushing a lot of advanced thinking around what journalism should be and should become if we're really going to try to be an anecdote to all the terrible things that are happening. Outlier Media in Detroit, City Bureau in Chicago, Flint Beat in Michigan, Scalawag Magazine that's headquartered in the South. I could go on and on and on. MLK 50 in Memphis. Watch that space. And I think, you know, there's just a lot of energy around what a lot of these Black-led news organizations are doing. Kind of jumping back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you're previously managing editor at The Trace. For the audience, The Trace is an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit newsroom dedicated to shining a light on America's gun violence crisis. And the first time I saw your work was Sense Parkland, which was a project documenting Mm -hmm. the thousands of lives of children uh, that were lost in the year after the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in 2019. I wonder what lessons you learned there that you feel you've continued to use at Capital B and how does that inform your work today? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, up until I I helped build Capital B, you know, since Parkland was the most meaningful project I had done because in the aftermath of Parkland, um, you know, there's a lot of attention around kids and gun violence and schools and gun violence. And at The Trace, we knew intimately that like to care about kids and gun violence is to care beyond school shootings, which while they are horrifying and terrible incidents that happen far too much in this country, um, they still are relatively rare, right? And like, how are kids dying from gun violence? They are dying in, you know, cities like Chicago and Philadelphia from interpersonal challenges they're having with other people. They are getting hand of weapons and hurting themselves or another kid. They are wrapped up in domestic violence incidents. You know, we've heard all these stories about typically a man shooting and killing his lover, family, 
all very heavy stuff. And we felt that it was really important to highlight all of this, particularly because it's mostly black and brown kids mm-hmm. that were, you know, suffering from this. And so one thing that really was illuminated for me during that time, we worked on that project for almost a year. Um, we relied heavily on local news reports to power the work, right? And a lot of the coverage is great, but a lot of the coverage is lacking. Yeah. And a lot of these typically black victims did not get any news coverage at all. Mm. But like I'd long been worried about what was happening on local news, but that was really when I became sort of obsessed with the fact that um, local news just didn't have the capacity to, to cover these stories like they needed. And it seemed like it was getting worse. And that was the beginning of my, like, quite frankly, thinking about my own career and like, how can I bring my talents to think about how to make local news better for, for black communities? So that's one thing. And then, you know, the other thing is just like the value of, partnership and collaboration across the board. We had partnered with Miami Herald. We'd also partnered with Now This News. Mm-hmm. We partnered with a bunch of local teen writing groups. And that's one of the greatest parts about working in the nonprofit space is that like the barrier for collaboration is so much lower. And that really just sort of solidified the ways that you can do things that have like far more impacting consequence than you could if you were doing it alone. Mm. And so those, I think, were the two big things I took from that project. And of course, that like our young people are resilient and brilliant. And, you know, we have some students who wrote several obituaries for other kids that had died. And like, mm-hmm. this is heavy work. And the energy and verve and dedication they brought to that project is something that I think about a lot and think about how journalism can harness student writers even more. It also makes me think about this idea of diversity in newsrooms, leadership, writers, editors across the board. And I mean, we've made strides in the number of Black women and Black people in general that we have in newsrooms, but we're not where we could be. We're not where we should be, but like things are happening. Why is it important that we go further and own our own newsrooms and outlets? Here's why I think it's important, particularly if you have an idea you're sitting on and you feel strongly about, but you're just not sure where to start. The problem with mainstream white-led news organizations is deep. It's entrenched. And I am a person who desires deeply for mainstream media to get better. But the evidence before me (laughs) suggests that, um, I don't know, I want for it, but I'm not, I wouldn't call myself hopeful. So in the face of that, what do we do? Right? Like, what do we do? when mainstream media is trying to figure their stuff out, they should absolutely do that. They should go forth on that and they should do their very best. Um, And they should continue to make whatever strides they can make, no matter how incremental. And hopefully over time, we start to see a sea change across the industry. We're not there yet and we can't wait, right? Like, what are we supposed to do? The Kerner report came out 50 years ago where the biggest recommendation was to diversify newsrooms and include people you're covering into your newsrooms. And here we are, and there's still not full representation, right? We don't have another 50 years. My opinion is we don't have another five years, quite frankly. So that is why it is urgent, and that is why it's important. If you have an idea that is going to serve people who have been underserved by media for a long time, um, if you have an idea for how to make that business sustainable and work so that the Black journalists you hire can continue to do the important work on behalf of the people that need the work, then you should do it. And that's why it's more now more than ever, because, you know, I think we can have more impact if we go at it on our own. If you can, that's not a reality for everyone, right? Like not everyone can leave their job. (laughs) And we do need people pushing behind the scenes for sure. But if there's something in you that 
you just feel like you're ready to do it, I really, really would encourage people to do it for the reasons I just stated. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up funding because sometimes that's difficult for Black organizations. What advice would you offer to someone who is starting an organization and has no idea how to even think about funding? When Lauren and I decided to do this, I had been, you know, at a nonprofit where my conversations around funding were much different than hers, right? She was dealing with the market pressures that come with running a very large for-profit news organization at a time of turmoil and crisis where advertisers were not really trying to support all of the great COVID journalism that you're doing. So you have like these record numbers in the audience, but not necessarily the funding to support it. And so the issue of like, what is our mission and also how we're going to pay for it, we're not at all sort of separate in our mm-hmm. minds, right? Like the, the problem with news organizations is that we don't have the funding to support journalists to do the work that we think is needed. And so when we put our heads together, after we laid out our editorial mission, like we really did think about what is the best way to sustain this work. Having community engagement as a big part, like as a fundamental sort of, as the bedrock of what we're trying to do, that's not the kind of thing that's monetizable, right? Like we have a community engagement editor who has gone to 30 to 40 community events since we launched and has met a bunch of people, but it's not like producing a million hits, which is like the kind of thing that would be attractive to advertisers, right? Like that's not even a metric that we're looking at. And like, so this work is meaningful. The work is meaningful. And because it's meaningful, it's often slower. And so we felt like going the nonprofit route, we can get donations from foundations that understood that mission was like the best way we were going to do it. However, we do know that like relying on one kind of revenue stream was also not really going to cut it considering our ambition. So we do donations also from individuals, both high dollar donations and also small dollar donations through our membership program. And then we have an events program where we are also selling corporate sponsorships on our events and do some advertising on our site. So nonprofit doesn't mean that we're not going to sell ads and not do any corporate sponsorships. We felt like that, that mix of revenue for our ambitions to scale was going to help sustain the organization. I was looking at Neiman Lab, uh, Jim Friedlich, the CEO of Lenfest, he said something to the effect of great scale and great journalism are often not friends. And mm-hmm. I think that that's an interesting idea because in order for you to really serve certain communities, you do have to scale. To Jim's point or to Jim's quote, I agree that often those things are misaligned, great scale and great journalism, but I don't think it's impossible. I think it requires thoughtfulness and also some real support early on. I mean, we were lucky to raise a significant amount of money to support us for two whole years. So we have some space to really think about what the next round will be. And that helps us just grow in a really mature and thoughtful way. To kind of bounce back a little bit to politics... We are in a midterm year and 2020 served as a reminder to all of us of the power that our communities can have when we show up to the ballot box or the mailbox to vote. So what kind of local and national political coverage can we expect to see out of Capital B? And what would you say are some of the top issues for Black women in particular? I shout out to our editorial director, Simone Sebastian, who came to us from Washington Post. I would probably describe the two buckets of coverage that you're likely to see from Capital B is one, accountability. And like, what are our elected officials promise Black people? And what are they doing to deliver on it? And the second, I would say, is engagement. 
civic engagement is really important. And we are a pro-democracy newsroom. We don't really sort of shy away from that. So what can you do as a person to be empowered, to have the information you need to participate in civic life, right? So in Atlanta, you'll see us looking at um, city budgets, helping people understand what new voting laws might mean for them and how it might impact their own civic life, right? Uh, Where to go to get specific information about candidates that you're curious about supporting. So that is partly, at least in part, the way that we're going to think about midterms and future elections from those two angles. And we think that audiences will be really, really responsive to that based on what we've heard from people we've been talking to. And I think Black women are concerned about things that a lot of people are concerned about. I think Black maternal health is a huge issue for Black women right now. Obviously, the economy, I think there are a lot of Black mothers across the country that are concerned about public safety and policing. Mm-hmm. And those are all things we're looking forward to really covering as we as we grow our audience. As a two and a half month old news organization, <laughs> just, just getting started. And I think a lot about um, just this idea of work-life balance and what that's looked like during the pandemic. How have you managed between work and life? And do you have any major kind of takeaways? Yeah, I have a few. So um, how we thought of workplace culture. We've posted our our operating principles, which we share with every new hire and sort of, you know, really make sure that people embrace those principles. And one of the principles is that capital B is a team and not a family. People have their own families and this is a job and it's a job with a very serious mission. It's a job where we expect people to bring their best selves, do their best work and be really high achieving because the audiences we're trying to serve deserve that from us. However, you can't do that if we don't acknowledge that like there's life outside this newsroom. And so we take that very seriously and we ask people to take time that they need, be open and honest about what they need from us in order to do their work so that when they're at work, they can be present and really sort of stare at this mission straight in its face and get to work. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel really good about the culture we're building and the space that we're giving people to both have this really ambitious job at this time while also being able to take care of, of their families. And then for me, you know, it's interesting. And I would also say this to the folks who are thinking about starting something. There is real stress that comes with starting your own news organization or your own anything. But it is a fundamentally different kind of stress than what I've experienced in my career before, right? Like to watch a thing go from like your group chat to like <laughs> an, an organization that employs people in and of itself is awe-inspiring and something that wakes you up every day. But yes, it's hard work, but there is something that is fortifying about that. It's not draining. It's not taking from you. It's sort of like filling your cup in a different way. So like while capital B is work, it also for me is a lot of like my refuge, you know, not just as a as a journalist, but as like a a citizen that cares about the world. This is the thing that me and my colleagues are trying to do to make a difference. That's wonderful. Final question for you. To the point of ensuring that we have news that we need, what is something that you think Black media makers and audiences alike should be paying more attention to right now? Thinking about news products that can really be engaging on a like one-to-one level and really audience-focused and audience-driven and reader-driven, listener-driven, whatever. I just don't know if there's another way to do it right now. (laughs) I think that like the moment really calls for us to like as journalists to not be as precious 
about our profession and not just collaborating with people and listening to them, but also like inviting them in. And like, you know, journalism is an important part of democracy. And it's something that I think people who are not journalists do all the time. I mean, you go to any community and there's someone who's sharing and exchanging information, school teachers, store shop owners, and like people are committing those acts of journalism every day. And I think that there's real power in that. And like, there's also a real deep need for people to understand that like the status quo is not going to get us where we need to be. Um, Building another thing that looks like another thing that's just like traffic driven. And, you know, it's just not, it's not the answer for the big problems that we face. And so really think about how can you build something that is about listening to people and what they need in this moment, using that to build trust with people over time. So how can listeners support and where can we find you on the web? Oh yeah, for sure. So you can find us at Capital B News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can support Capital B by becoming a member. I know this is New York based, but if you have any friends or family in Atlanta, if you go to the Atlanta website, you can become a member of the Atlanta specific newsroom where all of your donations will help that newsroom do all of that important community work that I was talking about. You can also become a national member. Your donation will just help our journalism and help to fuel our work across the country. I touched on this a little bit when we talked about sustainability, but we call them members, but I feel like they're also just really teammates, people who are supporting this work in really meaningful ways. And so we really value and appreciate our members for helping to keep our work and our news organization sustainable. So those are the two ways you can help support Capital B. Oh, and sign up for our newsletter. You can go on our website and sign up for our newsletter too. Thanks again to our guest, Capital B co-founder and chief audience officer, Akoto Aforiata. The Sidebar by NYABJ is a production of the Greater New York Chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. The opinions heard in this episode belong to the individuals who expressed them and not to NYABJ. Our podcast team includes Tyler Clifford, Ife Collimore, Cage Taylor-Jones, Will Patterson, and Bonita Sostre. The music in our show theme is by Halizna Raps, and I'm Carolyn Adams. If you like this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, subscribe to join us for more conversations and industry insights straight from the source.